You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda. And for this week's episode, I'm going to be having a conversation with my good buddy, uh, Joel Tibbet. Uh, this is going to be really fun, really exciting for me to get to talk to Joel. Joel and I have quite a bit in common, and we're going to be touching on some really cool topics that I think will be of interest to a lot of people. Joel and his family are longtime residents of the Pasadena area, so we're going to be talking Pasadena, one of the coolest cities in California, uh, talking about the history of the city, a lot of rich history that the city has, uh, cool hangout spots, fun times in the city. Uh, Joel is also a huge Batman fan, as am I, but Joel especially. So I definitely wanted to get his take on the new, uh, the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson as the Dark Knight. So it'd be really cool to hear what he has to say about that. And as an extra treat too, we're going to be talking Depeche Mode. We both absolutely love Depeche Mode. We would both proclaim Depeche Mode as being our favorite band. And uh, we get to do a special tribute for Andy Fletcher which again, I've been thinking of ever since he passed away last month. So it was nice to have a conversation about that. And uh, the episode was recorded on uh, June the 18th of uh, 2022, which is the 34th anniversary of Depeche Mode's legendary Rose Bowl concert, which happened back in June 18th of 1988. Uh, Neither of us were in attendance. I mean, I was only seven years old, almost eight, and Joel wasn't born yet, but uh, we did have a great conversation about that. And I do like the idea of recording, as I mentioned before in previous episodes, this is essentially an audio journal. And I think it's important to document stuff like this. So I'm grateful that uh, Richard Blade, who's you know one of the most prolific DJs out there, huge Depeche Mode fan, knows the band super well, wrote a really great book about his life, uh, World in My Eyes, where he talked extensively uh, about that concert, concert experience. And then, of course, uh, if you remember from a couple episodes ago, Brian Dowdle joined me on the show because he got to attend the concert in person because he was old enough to go. So it was really cool to, for me, to have this stuff documented so people like myself and Joel who didn't get to experience it firsthand but love it can actually live it uh, by hearing the words and reading the words and understanding, getting an understanding and feel from what it was like from people who were there. So another example why documenting stuff like this is really important. In fact, we even go over uh, Joel's family history in Pasadena and all of that he is aware of because it was documented. So I think it's a really important thing and a really cool thing And I'm going to be doing a a documenting episode about my family, speaking to my parents uh, in July next month. So I'm really excited for that. But before we get to that, let's have my conversation with Joel about Pasadena, Batman, and Depeche Mode, and a special tribute to Andy Fletcher. Joining me now on the Casting for Fun podcast is my good buddy, Joel Tibbet. Joel, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, Albert. Uh, You know, just... I heard a lot about your podcast, and so looking forward to get to be a part of it. Oh, awesome. Thank thank you for so much for uh, joining me tonight. I'm uh, really excited to chat about some of our favorite things. It's actually pretty cool that we have a lot of similar interests, and it's just fun talking. So, (laughs) so so yeah, definitely want to talk about your your family's uh, history living in Pasadena. I mean, my understanding was you and your family are longtime residents of the city. And Pasadena is definitely one of the coolest cities, not just in California, but maybe in the whole country. So there's definitely a lot of cool <laughs> history, things to talk about with that. Um, and also, we both love Batman, but you especially really love uh, The Dark Knight. <laughs> so ch- chatting about Pattinson's new movie and then a general conversation about Batman, it's always fun to do. And then last but not least, uh, today is a very important day in the history of our mutual favorite band of all time, Depeche Mode. It's the 34th anniversary of the Rose Bowl show. Uh, neither of us were in attendance. In fact, I think you weren't even born yet at the time. <laughs> but, uh, exactly. I, think, I think it'll still be fun to chat about that and to do a special tribute for uh, Andrew Fletcher with his recent passing occurring last month. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun conversation. Yeah, let's get into it. Perfect. Okay, so so starting with Pasadena, uh, you and your family have been longtime residents. Uh, so obviously, you know the city very well. Uh, what what are your feelings? How, how do you enjoy living in the city of Pasadena? What's a, your general impression, I guess, of, of the city? Uh, well, so I, I think uh, I'm a little biased and a little skewed on Pasadena here. Um, 
simply because like you said we we my family has a long history um in fact uh, as of a few months ago i recently was able to uh track down and i'm still trying to to verify uh with 100 validity here uh i found out that my family was the first white people born in the arroyo seco now known as pasadena oh, awesome. um, so that was kind of a cool little little fact for me um, so like I said, I, I, you know, we've, we've had multiple generations, I believe that was 1860, 60 or 62, um, that we can track that down. Uh, then my family started working for Pio Pico, uh, collecting sticks and, and things to help him build his empire, uh, in Los Angeles and, uh, you know, the Pasadena, San Gabriel Valley area. Uh, so as far as Pasadena goes for me. Uh, have a great history here, have a great understanding of it, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I think a few of my favorite things to do in the city uh, all have to do with its history. Um, the arts and crafts movement that rolled through here, uh, the Green and Green Brothers, uh, their architectural designs. Um, going to see the Gamble House is a, is a big one. Uh, that that in and of itself is a, is a huge part of Pasadena, I believe. Um, I love craftsman style. Uh, Black and Decker House, uh, and, and many others uh, that the Green and Green Brothers designed. Uh, also, uh, fun little trivia fact that I enjoy about the Green and Green Brothers is their their last standing commercial design building exists in Pasadena. Uh, it's now a pawn shop. I believe it's on Raymond in Colorado. Uh, so that's kind of a fun place to go check out if, if you haven't seen it. Um, but other than that, I mean, we've got We've got a bunch of good history that I'm, I find fascinating uh, across, I don't know if, it's, I think it's across the street from the Green and Green Brothers, actually, uh, on Raymond, there's a bank. Um, it was Pasadena's first bank. Um, and as of, like, I think 10 years ago, somewhere within there, uh, they found out that it was actually, um, there's a lot of catacombs down beneath the subsurface of it that that go miles underneath Pasadena. Uh, and they did this because it was originally a bank and then the banker's daughter died uh, well down in the basement um, and they, they sealed it off. And then later on when it was sold, uh, they tried to do a little excavation and expansion of, of the new bank and a couple of workers died down there. So they really just said, all right, we're just sealing this whole place off. They concreted over it. And then 10 years ago, or what, what have it, uh, a new owner came in to open the place up. And they started cutting through concrete and realized they didn't actually fill in the entire basement with concrete. They just concreted over the, the entryway to it. Um, so they went down there. They started an escape room, a Halloween thing, this whole deal. And they started doing like radar scanning and realize there's miles and miles of uh, catacombs under there because there used to be an old Catholic church back when the missions came through the area uh, that, that sat there. Uh, not a mission like San Gabriel mission, just a church, but um, you know, it, it, it's got a very unique, creative, like cool history like that throughout this city. Um, and I could go on forever about Pasadena in and of itself. <laughs> so I don't know if you have any questions, any anything you, you'd like to, to uh, talk about in particular. Um, well, the, the catacomb sounds really fascinating. I had no clue about that. So I guess it's not necessarily public knowledge, right? And I mean, it's not like they're allowing people to go in and see them. You, you uh, the catacombs, I don't know that they've fully, uh, they, they picked it up on radar scans uh -huh. uh, with 3D, you know, street radar. Um, so they were able to ground penetrating radar, sorry. And um, I don't know that they've dug them out or anything. It, 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 to be honest, it may uh, affect the structural integrity of a lot of the buildings in the city. I, I'm not quite sure. I don't know if they really have a desire to, you know, or people with the money to excavate that kind of thing just to find bones or whatever, what have you. Maybe more interesting things, but but I don't know. Uh, but it is public knowledge. You can you can search oh, okay. it. Um, you know, it's hard to find, but, but it's out there. Um, yeah, they, uh, the city's name, uh, 
kind of another little fun fact. Uh, city name is actually uh, from a Chippewa word. Uh, Chippewa Indians are out of Indiana, uh, which was the original name of Pasadena before it became a city. Um, so, so Pasadena was originally part of a Mexican land grant when the, the country of Mexico owned the, the property, the, uh, the land. And when California and the American government uh, bought it off them after the Mexican-American War, uh, it was subdivided and bought out by uh, multiple people. Uh, the biggest three, really, uh, that come to mind are Henry Huntington of uh, the Huntington Library and the Huntington uh, the Hotel. Um, and he essentially started San Marino. Um, and then another one was uh, Benjamin Eaton, um, who we all know as Eaton Canyon, right? Yeah. Um, and his son, Frederick Eaton, actually was the mayor of uh, L.A. and helped, uh, helped create the aqueduct uh, with Mulholland. Um, so to bring water, because that his dad was also a water purveyor in the city of Pasadena. And then uh, the third biggest land grant was actually a bunch of people from Indiana. And so the original name of Pasadena was the Indiana Colony. And uh, yeah, they, they wrote back home to their, their friends and family asking what they should name it because uh, the city of Los Angeles, when they were going up to be um, incorporated, uh, wouldn't allow them to use Indiana Colony. So they needed a name and they wrote back to their family and their families all wrote uh, back certain things uh, from Chippewa words. And every single one of them, the crown of the valley, the, uh, the rose of the valley, you know, all the, the different terms had the valley in them, uh, which in Chippewa was Pasadena, at least the, uh, the way I say it. I, I'm sure there's a, a more... Uh, fluent way to say it, uh, you know, Pasadena or something, whatever that, you know. but, uh, but yeah, Pasadena ended up being the name because it actually means the valley in Chippewa. Um, and so we use it as a collective term for the crown of the valley, uh, which is the nickname of Pasadena now. Uh, but that was the 1800s, 1876 was when Pasadena was incorporated as a fourth city in the city of Los Angeles. And uh, here we are now uh you know coming up coming up on our 150th anniversary so uh four more years oh very cool yeah i, I bet the, the city's definitely got something special planned for that yeah very cool. Very yeah. Cool. <laughs> going back to the the gamble house you know it's actually kind of full, cool and interesting that may, many people may not recognize the name gamble house but as soon as you see it and if you're a fan of 80s movies you definitely recognize it because it's uh, the, the house of Doc Brown, Emmett Doc Brown from uh, uh, Back to the Future, which is really, really cool. And uh, I guess it's, I mean, no one's actually living there, but they do actual public tours, which is pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, it was owned by USC uh, up until about a year and a half ago. And then they sold it and a private, uh, private company bought it and continues to run tours out of it and keep it up. Uh, Emmett Brown's uh, house was actually the garage of... Yeah. <laughs> of uh the gamble house and i uh -huh. i believe the scene in which that you see inside his house in the 1950s was another craftsman house in the city of pasadena it wasn't actually the gamble house if i recall correctly um it might have been the painter or the decker house but uh but but yeah it, i mean yeah like you said 1980s classic there yeah uh, <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the exterior shots are for sure used in the movie, but I believe you're correct yeah. that the interiors were actually from a, a different house in Pasadena, which is cool. Uh, so many cool, fun things to do in the city. Uh, you know, uh, the Rose Bowl is a really cool place to go hang out for jogging. I mean, now me as a, you know, full-time dad, I got a huge dad bod, so I'm not really running anymore. But when I was jogging, jogging around the Rose Bowl was really fun because so many people would be there. And then um, the, what was it? The, sorry. Um, the the Colorado Street Bridge, which again, I mean, unfortunately, has the the the, the local slang nickname of being Suicide Bridge, uh, is actually a really cool place to go check out fireworks from the Rose Bowl on the Fourth of July. I did that one time when you know they have a few cars. I don't remember if they blocked it off or maybe just cars are driving very slowly on it, but everyone's walking on the bridge. 
perfect spots to watch fireworks. So which I thought was really fun. So what would be some of your favorite hangout places in Pasadena to do just for fun? Uh, if, if we're speaking about just, just drinking, hanging out, uh, chilling. Um, I would have to say that stone stone brewery, that area, the old Memorial park area where there's lawn bowling and things to do over by the castle green, mm-hmm. uh, it's a great area, old town, uh, especially in in old town where there's still a lot of architectural um, history to look at. Uh, you know, there, the, like I said, the Castle Green is a great place to just kind of walk by. Uh, it's on Green Street. Uh, between Colorado and Green Street, there's plenty of walking, plenty of things to look at, plenty of places to stop, eat, hang out. Um I, I, you know, I, I don't know if the, if there's one or the dog house is a great place to go, just hang out at. Uh, it was, I, if I recall correctly, uh, we, Pasadena was one of the original dog houses. Um, so that's a kind of cool little fact um, that, you know, everyone loves, knows the dog house now. Uh, yeah. It's grown into a popular place. Um the Norton Simon Museum, great place to stop at for, for art. Um, the, the, actually, this is kind of an odd one to hang out at uh, because it's not... JPL uh, is, is a great place to go up into the Hahamunga Canyon uh, with all the hiking trails and uh, things to do up, up in the upper part of Pasadena, uh, La Cañada mixture area. Uh, JPL does still carry a, a Pasadena address just because the post office wasn't able to handle the mail. Uh, the La Cunada post office wasn't able to handle the mail of JPL, which is a little fun fact as to why uh, JPL gets uh, is synonymous with Pasadena. Yeah. Because the Pasadena post office was able to take it on and therefore they got Pasadena address uh, also made by uh, Jack Parson. Uh, crazy, you know, um, friend with uh, L. Ron Hubbard of uh, Scientology, the creator of Scientology, another Pasadena, uh, not native, but you know, grew up in Pasadena. Uh-huh. Um, so I mean, there's there's a there's a ton of places to hang out. The lower lower Arroyo Casting Ponds is a great place down below uh, the Colorado Bridge. Uh, it used to be um, the pool area for uh, what was known as the Arroyo, um, the Arroyo Vista Hotel, uh, Vista Arroyo Hotel, uh, which is now the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, very, very famous uh, castle, almost looking hotel. You can see it off the the Colorado Bridge. Um, so the Navy used that during World War II, uh, just just like the ordinance testation where we met, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the rumors are because people say, why, why did the Navy have to have a hospital out in the middle of Pasadena where there's no ocean or anything else, was that they were using it as a cover story to do um, testing on radioactive materials. And because they were able to say x-ray machines and otherwise, uh, if there was any radioactive traces left over there, they would have been able to, to cover it up with the hospital story. So uh, people say it's haunted down there. Uh, people say it's you know, spooky because of, of course, Suicide Bridge, but also because the hospital testing, other things that went on there. Um, walking around Caltech, PCC. I mean, I could go on forever with with uh, areas in Pasadena that are great to explore, walk around and hang out by things to do i mean there's just so much in this town oh absolutely yeah yeah uh really quick just to wrap up with pasadena uh two food options that i wanted to bring up which i think you know food options are really cool especially if they're local to your city uh it was actually our mutual friend uh matt hulamard who brought to my attention lucky boy which again it's just so funny and cool that the, the 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 head chef the worker the owner whatever he is like he's just very surly and like suffers no fools like if you don't know what you want to order like get out of line <laughs> and he'll let you know about that but uh, it's perfectly located right off of uh, on uh, uh, Fair Oaks 
Like if you get off the the the, the one ten freeway, which we my friends and I got into the habit of taking the one ten to go to Dodger games, which was really fun. Taking the old uh, Pasadena freeway, then coming back, it just perfectly drops you off right there, so you can get a good burger. They're open late. There are lots of good food options there. And then lastly, there was actually a really cool uh, a small taco truck spot that my friend told me about. That one is located on, uh, let me see that. Wait, I'm going to take my notes here. Oh, no, I apologize. Uh, Lucky Boy is on O'Royal Parkway. I should know that. I, mean, I apologize. Okay, uh, Fair Oaks Avenue is where the, the taco truck is. It's called uh, El Taquito Mexicano. Really, really good taco truck. They're open super late, too. So it's you're coming home from a Dodger game, two really good food options to eat, or if you're just hanging out late in Pasadena. So uh, do you have any food spots that you like that are kind of exclusive to Pasadena? So the, the, the second one, the taco truck you uh, mentioned is on Bellevue and uh, Fair Oaks. Yeah. And uh, that, that is a really good place. Uh, I've stopped there a few times myself. Uh, you're right. It's a late night uh, adventure. Um as far as, uh, you know, real secret hole in the wall, not secret, but, you know, Pasadena native hole in the wall spots uh, that are good. Dominico's is a standout in my mind. Um, you know, there's been a lot of copies of Dominico's. Uh, there's been a lot of Dominico uh, expansions. They had one in Arcadia for a while that disappeared. They had one in Monrovia that's still there, but it's not the same exact food. Um, and there's one in Glendora, which is also not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Pasadena is the last original uh, you know, Dominico's. It used to be over on Fair Oaks in a basement, and they they moved to Washington there. Um, so that's a great one if you haven't had it. And the other one, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm really leaning towards Italian here, is uh, Tarantino's. It's on Green Street. It's a cash only place. It's uh it's it's on the south side of the street. Uh, Maybe a little hard to find, a little hard to park uh, for, but uh, great food, great pizzas, uh, different options. You know, there's salads and other things in there as well, uh, but it's totally worth going into, uh, checking out. I'd love to send people there, especially post-COVID where, you know, I'm sure a lot of small businesses are, uh, you know, maybe hurting still a little bit trying to come back from that. So those those would be my my two top picks of the night, honestly. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Neither one of those I've tried before, so I definitely need to give them a shot. Very cool. Uh, Are you ready to jump into some Batman talk? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So as, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, top of this show, uh, Joel is a huge Batman fan. Absolutely loves him. It's his all time favorite superhero. So the, the movies are always really cool experiences. Some are better than others. Yeah. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so and then it was a very interesting pick for Robert Pattinson to be picked as uh, Batman. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to some of my previous episodes. I did an episode talking about the the Batman movie with uh, Sean Lovano, uh, you know, mutual friend of ours, and some of my other buddies, uh, Nick and Eddie. So we gave our extensive take on the Batman movie. But since it's been released, I haven't had a chance to ask you. So I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, what did you think of uh, Pattinson's portrayal as Batman and just general the Batman? What, what did you think of that movie? So I, I think it's it's hard to, to come at uh, saying anything other than it was different. Um, it's not the same universe as the previous Batmans. Uh, so it's not something that I want to sit here and compare to the other Batmans um, because if that were the case, I would say that it, you know, he, he would rank on, you know, right with there with Val Kilmer for me uh, as far as as a lower Batman. But it's a totally different universe. I love the fact that he's now a detective. I love the fact that he's portraying more of a comic book era Batman, a noir Batman. Uh, you know, he's he's dark still like the Christian Bale kind of Batman picked up with. But it's not so dark that it's like spooky for kids kind of dark. It's more of just a, like, I don't have time to waste with, you know, crime and whatever. I'm here to solve the crime. I want to solve it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think from that that take, Pattinson did a great job. I think, I think it was totally different. And he edged himself out of being just the next Batman, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, I think he did a great job. 
I think so too. I, I was pleasantly surprised, and uh, the movie itself, though it's long, I thought was actually entertaining and good. Uh, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend the Batman for anyone who hasn't seen it. I would imagine most people probably have. And I think Pattinson's look as uh, as Batman was really good. I mean, he's got the good jawline. I mean, it's really really good. Uh, his Bruce Wayne, I didn't think was quite as good as other portrayals, but it was interesting that in this particular movie, he's Batman for the majority of the movie. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. Have you seen Titans? Uh, there's a, a TV show. I, I've on heard HBO. of Titans. I haven't seen it yet. I do subscribe to HBO Max, so I, I should maybe try and check it out one of these days. So the fun part about that movie was for me uh, personally, uh, if you watch Titans um, and I'm, I'm already uh, tripping on the name here because we go through Dick Grayson uh, and then we get uh, uh, Robert uh, Tim Drake, that's the third one, right? Tim okay, Drake. So, um, uh, Damian Wayne. He was, yeah, I guess, he, from alternate, like uh, uh, Bruce Wayne and uh, and Talia Al Ghul's uh, son, right? From an yes. alternate timeline or something. So, so Jason Todd is the second. He be, so uh, Dick Grayson becomes Nightwing. Jason uh-huh. Todd becomes uh, Red Hood. Yeah. And then uh, Tim Drake is the third one. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. And then Damian Wayne's the fourth. He's Talia Al Ghul and uh, Talia that. That one gets a little weird because, yeah, there's uh, anyway, uh, we'll go back to, to Tim Drake real quick. Tim uh-huh. Drake shows up uh, in Titans. Um, so they have Dick Grayson as Nightwing already. Um, he's training the new Robin, Jason Todd, who becomes Red Hood. And they start leading up in the third season of Titans uh, to Tim Drake. They're kind of leading on to him. Mm-hmm. The actor who portrays him before he becomes uh, Robin is actually the actor, the same actor. Uh, who is being initiated into the gang in Robert Pattinson's lead-in scene there. Um, oh, so the young, cool. young kid. Um, so that was kind of a fun connector piece that I'm like, hey, I, I know that guy. Like he's supposed <laughs> to be Robin in, you know, Titans. Yeah. So that was a really fun. Um, and I think there was a, at least one other person in that movie who had some connection to a DC fandom elsewhere. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, so a little off topic from the Pattinson thing. Uh, I don't want to blow smoke on Pattinson. Um, there were there were quite a few things. Like you said, it was a little long movie. Um, there were times where I was a little, not bored, but, you know, it's like, okay, how long is this movie? Overall, it was still good. What I would like to see if they ever were to do it is uh, the the universe where uh, Bruce Wayne's dad, Thomas Wayne actually becomes Batman because he loses his son and his mom, Martha uh, actually becomes the Joker because she goes crazy. Uh, You know, I think that would be a great, that in the Batman beyond series, but uh, it's because I've been getting into Batman beyond again here more recently, but uh, sorry, that's a little side note for my own uh, just excitement of Batman. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't actually seen your other uh, podcast with uh, talking about Pattinson. So I, I don't know what anyone else has said about him. I don't know what their take on him was. I am actually now interested to go back and look at that, but. Uh, okay. Mean, well, you definitely should. Not that I want to necessarily like always promote my own stuff, but yeah, my podcast <laughs> is pretty cool. And you should check out that episode. Uh, oh, Sean, lo- Sean loves it. He, he loved Pattinson as Batman. And so did my friend Eddie. They both were, were gl- uh, just like glowing of how awesome that movie was for them. So, so yeah, it, it's definitely uh, worth checking out for uh, people who, who may, may not be interested, but it's not necessarily for everyone's cup of tea, which is understandable. Like our other friend, Nick, who participated in the podcast, he didn't particularly care for it as much. He thought it was just okay. And my, yeah. my wife didn't really like it that much either. So <laughs> that's fair. You know, that's- <laughs> yeah okay Not- so then who, who would be your pick then uh for your favorite batman or what is your favorite batman movie that, that I, f- I feel like i'm uh that one that one's a tough one because i feel like saying christian bale is uh it's kind of cheating mm-hmm. uh, you know it's, it's more recent michael keaton was definitely my favorite uh before christian bale uh but christian bale really picks it up gives it a new twist, really takes it to a darker edge, really cleans up the script. He does both uh, a Bruce Wayne. He does Bruce Wayne at like a seven and a half uh, out of 10. I, I feel like maybe an eight. 
Um, so he, he really pulls it up there. I don't think he's, you know, the classiest Bruce Wayne, um, but he does Batman 100%. You know, he does it right. I know he gets a lot of jokes about changing his voice and doing all that stuff. Uh, but I think Christian Bale really brought Batman back from the depths after whatever, you know, four or five movies with George Clooney and Val Kilmer and, and, and Michael Keaton kind of wearing him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think he did. He did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, totally agree. Uh, anything else with Batman or are you ready for some uh, Depeche Mode talk? <laughs> uh, no, let's get let's get with Depeche Mode. I, OK. I, very good. Very good. So like like you, myself, everyone who's a huge fan of the band, I'm sure we were all absolutely devastated when we heard the news that uh, that Andrew Fletcher had uh, unexpectedly passed away. Um, I wanted to give just a little bit of tribute. So I have some note, notes here. And then, of course, if you have any thoughts you wanted to share about his life, that'd be great, too. Some interesting tidbits of information that people may not be aware. So uh, uh, Andrew John Fletcher, born on July 8th, 1961 in Nottingham, England. He was hugely inspired by the punk rock movement of the 70s. And what I thought was kind of interesting, too, a lot of uh, bands, I mean, you can name several bands where the bandmates met each other in school. So he met Vince Clark, who was one of the original founding members of the Pesh Mode in school. Uh, they formed a band together called, uh, uh, let me take a look really quick from my notes. Um, uh, no Romance in China. I'd never heard of that before. But then yeah. later they encountered uh, Martin Gore and the three of them had uh, formed a composition of sound, which I had heard of before. Uh, and then later after that, they were eventually joined by Dave Gahan, who had suggested the Pesh Mode uh, for them. And then the rest is history from there. But uh, yeah, so uh, Vince Clark would obviously leave after their first album, Speak and Spell. And they were joined after that by Alan Wilder, who was with the band until 1995. Uh, it's interesting that in the Depeche Mode 101 uh, concert uh, movie, uh, Andrew kind of like described himself as being the bump, like, you know, that uh, Alan Wilder was the good musician, Dave, Dave's the front man, Martin writes the songs and I bum around. <laughs> but the reality, I mean, on the percep- on on the surface, it may seem like he wasn't as important as the other members of the band, but uh, he was actually like the backbone. Like, you know, he was, you know, helping get the guys in the studio to get, you know, keep everybody focused, writing material, uh, oftentimes served as the spokesman for, for the band. So Richard Blade, uh, the, the famous uh, English DJ who probably knew the band better than anybody, described him as being like the backbone of the band. Uh, and another interesting tidbit about Andrew, he was a huge uh, chess player. He was really good. Uh, and it's just a, a fun hobby that he loved to do, which is play chess. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's 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 some good trivia. I, I I learned a few things right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then he <laughs> unexpectedly passed away on May 26th at the age of 60. Uh, I haven't heard any news as to like uh, actual cause of death. Uh, I mean, 60 is really young. So I don't know if it was like natural causes or what exactly happened. But I do understand, you know, the family wanted to be private about that. It's just, you know, just unfortunate that uh, that he has passed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it was a few days after uh, Dave's birthday as well. I think yeah. his birthday may 24th or something like that so yeah uh, kind of a unfortunate to to be so, so close to a celebration you know um i i know i know very little about andy actually as far as uh-huh. uh, as my depeche mode knowledge goes uh-huh. um, i i was interested i did a little research on him afterwards uh you know there was a few things i already knew about about him to begin with uh, you know, like you said, he's the backbone. I uh, I know that Dave, both Dave and Martin went through um, recoveries, uh, Dave being with, uh, you know, cocaine and a lot of other drugs he was doing. Yeah. Um, actually almost dying, I believe, once at least, um, you know, or on the verge of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so Nikki Six-like, but uh, very close to it. Uh, and Martin, his deal with alcoholism, uh, and I know Andy kind of pushed to get them to go to rehab and to get better and to actually start making music again. So you're right uh, that he was the guy behind them. He, he was very straight laced himself. I, I've heard uh, he has a wife and, and uh, a son and a daughter, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so uh, 
he kind of had his life together. I know uh, I read that he was the business manager end of, of things. Uh, oh, yeah. I know getting into Depeche Mode myself, uh, it's kind of the joke of, are his synths even plugged in? Does he actually ever do anything on stage? <laughs> you know, like he, he kind of, he just stands there. He's so straight faced. Uh, the camera zooms in on him. He might crack a smile, but he was never the the shirtless Dave Gahan of Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he wasn't the Martin Gore singer of Depeche Mode, even backup vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was just the guy on stage. Uh, and I think that's really what attracted me to, to him in Depeche Mode. Uh, I was actually more of a Andy Fletcher kind of uh, fan more than anything mm-hmm. um, of, of all the, I'm going to say four. Uh, I don't include Vince Clark so much in the band. Uh, yeah. Alan Wilder does get a, does get a very good uh, long portion, 14 years of the band. So I do include him, but yeah. of the four of them, I think Andy was, was by far kind of just the most, uh miss you know, like hidden shrouded in a mystique you know he was very anonymous and and yeah it was just you wanted to know more about him because you're like who is this guy why is he in this band do they even need him is he is he useful to them but yeah as i read it was it was more about business for him and and uh getting the band together and playing i guess so uh what what are your takes on him what do you I mean, were you a big Andy fan or are you, did you think the same as me? Um, Yeah, I think along the same lines, it was hard to say who was like my favorite band member. I mean, it's easy to to just pick Dave Gahan because he's the front man. So probably, but then the, the, everyone did their role. Great. Basically. I think that's the way I would like to put it. So Martin's songs were just amazing, fantastic. And they are. And, uh, uh, Alan's uh, musicianship. I mean, you, you can't top that. In fact, I mean, it's often been said that every album since uh, Songs of Faith and Devotion hasn't been quite up to par with other stuff that they've done, even though, I mean, Exciter, I thought was enjoyable. And so was uh, Playing the Angel. So th- they've done some good stuff without Alan, for sure. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah it just, it's just it's difficult to really pick like, you know, your favorite, I think. But if, if I had to pick, probably Dave. But again, in, in the, the sense of, I guess we're doing a tribute, then I'm going to say right now, Andy was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's easy to say right now but yeah um yeah it's an interesting uh topics to you know just pulling away a little bit from andy but just in depeche mode in general uh the, you know talking about alan wilder and and the sounds they've gone through through all these years mm-hmm. and uh i think as a depeche mode fan uh, I, I really really got into them um uh, pre-playing the angel you know i, I was probably 12 13 at the time uh yeah. when i i think i got violator was my first uh album cd that i i, I got and uh, that of course really drew me into it uh enjoy the silence is, is a great hit on there yeah uh, but so i mean those are the, the wilder days uh but i think the next the next two albums i picked up um were ultra and uh, exciter um mm-hmm. so both post wilder days um i believe right ultra was 98 and uh, 97 98 yeah yeah i want to say and, 97 97 uh, and exciter was right after that 2001 2001 2001 yeah so i mean that's yeah so those those are both my my so i don't know i, I kind of got in right after Wilder, those I, I wouldn't say are the best albums that they have, mm-hmm. but they definitely helped pull me into Depeche Mode. Uh, you know, of course, getting into Black Celebration uh, really tops my charts uh, as far as Depeche Mode albums go. And um, Songs of Faith and Devotion, I went went through a lot of high school years with that with that album. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a that's a great one. Um, and then. I went through a phase of speak and spell construction time again, you know, the earlier days, there's more synthy, uh, the Vince Clark uh, kind of sounds to them. Uh, not exactly top of my list. There are, you know, photographs of pretty good one, uh, rain in the sunshine. Uh, great song. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there's so much about Depeche Mode that I like that. I like that they changed. They've kind of moved forward. And at first I'm very, uh, 
I would say almost hands off kind of, I push it away when, when sounds of the universe came off. I remember being like, okay, fragile attention. Love that song. Great song. But I was very like, this isn't Depeche Mode, you know, this, this is good stuff, but like, this isn't their old stuff, uh, you know, and then um, what is, what's, what's the newest, latest uh, uh, spirit, album? spirit. Yeah. A lot, playing the angel actually kind of hit pretty hard. Um, but um, yeah, I, I know every time that new album comes out, it takes me a little bit to kind of come up to speed with it. And uh, I don't know about you, uh, probably, well, maybe, maybe similar to me. Uh, you kind of feel like this is an exciter. This isn't violator. This isn't black celebration or, or uh, um, the one I always forget that I can picture the front of uh, with people or people. Uh, oh, uh, some great reward. Some great reward. Thank you. Yes. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. You think, think to yourself, this isn't that stuff. And then I started listening to it on like a road trip or something. And I, you really, you really understand that they're trying to move forward and bring a new sound, but be themselves still. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really going to be interested to see, uh, you know, it's been, we did go through COVID, but I think the last album we got was 2018. Um, yeah. In 2018. Might've so, been 17, but yeah, around that time. Yeah. Yeah. 17. Yeah. Yeah. I think the tour was 18. Um, but yeah, they usually do four to five years for an album. So I'm interested to see if they had one cooking with Andy, um, or if they're even willing to continue on as a band post Andy. Uh, I'm interested to see if Alan makes a comeback at all. Uh, I did hear from another friend of mine who's a Depeche Mode fan. Uh, she said that she had heard, who knows if it's true, uh andy fletcher is actually the cause uh, of out wilder leaving um they did not they butt heads uh is what she said um so i'd never heard that otherwise but i'd be intrigued to see if if it meant wilder coming back uh to the band if if this means the end for the mode or what we have going forward uh what what do you what do you think as far as do you think this is the end or Okay, well, this is a perfect segue into what I wanted to bring up next, my next point. So as far as like, what does the future hold now? When I initially heard the news, I was just like fearing the worst because I I don't know why, but my mind was immediately drawn towards uh, the Beastie Boys when Adam Yalch passed away and they they essentially called it quits like right then and there and they they broken up as a band and that's it. Um, but then shortly after, I think it's like the day of, maybe the day after, uh, Richard Blade did an interview with BBC News and it's not so much that like Richard Blake can actually be a spokesman for the band, but as mentioned previous, I mean, if there's any DJ who knows the band better than him, like, I mean, he, he, it's it. He, he's yeah. definitely the, the most knowledgeable when it comes to Depeche Mode. Uh, in that interview, he, he firmly believes that the band's going to continue, that, uh, that they, they won't, they won't stop that if, I mean, if, uh, uh, it would be a- Andy's wish for the band to come back if he could obvious to continue on without him that's what they would that's what he was suggesting or leaning towards and he also hinted that they had been working on material with a potential release date for next year and that would potentially be uh dedicated to him with the world tour to follow so uh according to richard blade not that he can be an official spokesman i mean but i think it's uh pretty safe to say that we will be getting some new depeche mode next year in 2023 followed by a tour and yeah who i mean with with the passing of Andy that might entice uh, uh, Alan to want to come back. Not so much. Cause I mean, I don't know if he, because he hates him or <laughs> I don't think it was anything like that, but uh, he, Alan actually had come back for a few, few uh, performances back in like in 2010. So mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't be unheard of for, for Alan to decide to, to come back and just uh, yeah. Tour again with the band, maybe come up with some more material. So we'll see, but, but again, I'm, I'm pretty confident and hopeful that we are going to get some more Depeche Mode. All right. I'm glad to hear that because I, I hadn't looked into it. I hadn't heard anything about it, but uh, I'm definitely hopeful that, that, that they keep going on because the, their fan base loves them. I mean, their music speaks to people mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think, I think Richard's right. And, and 
if Andy was a good person and the person that that I've read about that, you know, the music, the music is what what lets people express themselves. And I think you would want that to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think their music did that for people and uh and and they're able to continue to make new music to allow new people to express new ideas and new emotions. So mm-hmm. I hope they continue. Yeah, I'm, we're pretty confident, but we'll see what the future holds. Uh, so one last thing with Depeche Mode, as, as mentioned at the top of the show, today is a very significant day in the history of the band. It's the 34th anniversary of their most famous concert, the, the 1988 Rose Bowl show. Speaking of Pasadena, yes, so they did a really awesome, memorable show at the Rose Bowl. 34 years ago today, on uh, July, I'm sorry, June 18th, 1988, uh, I was only... Seven years old. I wasn't eight yet. I turned eight the following month. <laughs> and obviously, as mentioned, Joel wasn't born yet. But uh, if you're a fan of the Pesh Mode, you definitely know this show. You definitely have heard, listen to the record. Uh, on the podcast, I actually got to speak to an older friend who's uh, 50 and he was in attendance, Brian Dowdle. Really cool interview. So you should definitely uh, check out my podcast when I talk to him about it. Uh, but it's really cool. I just want to just touch on the show briefly. Uh, Richard Blade, this is what he had to say in, from his book, uh, World in My Eyes. It's a really cool read, by the way. So if you love like uh, 80s new wave music and you love Richard Blade, you should definitely read his book. Uh, this is what he said about the show. Uh, 101 set the standard for con- stadium concerts in the 1980s. It established several records, including highest grossing box office for a single show, highest merchandise count per person, and highest food and drink expenditure per person. But business aside, it was simply an incredible show. And it wasn't just special for the audience, it was special for the band as well. So I think it's really amazing that the show did all those records, which I'm sure other concerts have probably broken those records. But at the time, yeah, so many records were set by that show. And it was just phenomenal. In fact, earlier today, I was just, I listened to the whole uh, 101 uh, streaming, the whole album, the live album, just to prepare. And yeah, really cool emotions. You get to see, hear really cool renditions of uh, certain songs, like extended version of... uh, Never Let Me Down again, which was really cool. So, I mean, I, if there's one concert I wish I could have attended in my life, it would have been that one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so the only I, I was negative three years old at the time. Uh, <laughs> said, uh, so I did not attend it. Um, you know, the, the, the little bit I know about that show, uh, other than the fact that it was in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl, uh, which I wish they would do again. Uh, however, we are limited to, I believe, uh, I think it's something, it's something like 16 shows a year or something like that, Uh, which is why, uh, you know, they they do U2 and uh, not to say Depeche Mode isn't a big hit or a big band or something, but you know, that's, I believe that's why they haven't contacted them. I I don't Mm -hmm. know if it requires a certain amount of people in there or whatever, uh, but, you know, they've had One Direction. I think BTS was in there or something. Uh, Ed Sheeran, uh, I think, one time. Yeah. It's so, so Justin I mean, Timberlake. These are big. NSYNC was, I remember when NSYNC was there. I, I was at that show. Uh, uh, <laughs> but um, but uh, not in the bowl, but outside the bowl. I, I remember driving around there just looking at the crowds and the people and the craziness of it all. Uh, I'm sure the Peshmo could still do that. Uh, but the one thing I do know about the show is from the, the it's a double DVD album they have. They sold a uh, Depeche Mode, the videos. Uh, uh-huh. And on that video, uh, I don't know if it was Dave or if it was Martin. I think it was Dave. Uh, I recall him saying that they were ready to call it quits in America. And they didn't think that America even really cared about Depeche Mode. Um, and then they played the Rose Bowl and it sold out. And if you know anything about the Rose Bowl in the 1980s, uh, it was, it had the largest seating capacity of any stadium in America. Uh, it was something like 99 uh, or at that point, even maybe 102,000 people could fit in that stadium. Uh, now, of course, you're going to limit it a little bit with the concert venue because you're shutting off a partial part of it. But uh, even still, um, you know, selling out the Rose Bowl at that time was just an incredible feat. Um, and so to hear them say that Pasadena was the city that put Depeche Mode back on the map 
for the America uh, was kind of a, a neat thing to hear from a band member themselves. Yeah. Uh, so personally, for me, I've always wished I could have gone to that. Uh, could wish I could have been alive and old enough to have gone to that. Uh, but I, I really wish and I really hope that at some point in the future, um, somebody, something is able to make them want to come back to the Rose Bowl for yeah. even a farewell tour or yeah. anything, because I would spend the money to go see that. Yo, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, hopefully it's not another uh, shameless plug-in on my part, but again, yeah, definitely check out my, my interview with uh, Brian Dotto, vinyl collecting with Brian Dotto. So he, he gives his take uh, getting to attend uh, the show as a teenager, which is really, really cool. Uh, anything else with Depeche Mode, Batman or Pasadena, or are we good to wrap up tonight? Yeah, uh, I uh, I could go on forever with Pasadena, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know I'm sure Batman as well. Uh, all three of them, really. Yeah. Um, you know, just just love love them. So I'm glad you you brought me on here, and I, I'm really happy to talk about them. And uh, you know, anybody who who is listening to this or whatnot, uh, shameless plug for myself. If if anyone wants to talk about any of these three things. I'd love if you track me down, hit me up. I could talk about them for hours. So uh, awesome. thanks for having me, Robert, and uh, really appreciate it. Very cool. Very cool. So you, you still have your Instagram, obviously. Where can people find you on uh, social media? Uh, I, I don't have a Facebook anymore. I'm basically limited to Instagram. Um, my, uh, my, my handle is a free tibbet. Uh, you know, I'd... Uh, other than that, LinkedIn is about my only uh, okay. <laughs> social networking, uh, getting a little professional here. So, okay. Uh, but cool. yeah. Okay. Well, I guess if you're cool with it, Joel, if anybody is interested in, uh, you know, hitting Joel up, touching base with him, I mean, uh, reach out to me because I, I definitely know how to find and reach Joel. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we had the chance to talk. This was really fun for me. I mean, I love doing this, uh, talking about random topics, recording it. So then I can go back and listen to it and always have it. So it's, it's really fun for me. So thanks, Joel, for joining me tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to the, the Casting for Fun podcast. Have a good night.